Welcome back. This is Dr. Jim Schrader, and we have reached the penultimate podcast of living a whole Christian life. I can't believe we've already gotten to this point. It's hard to believe that almost a year has gone by, as next week we will wrap up the entire series on living a whole Christian life. So last week, we talked about the universal search for happiness and virtue, and how we as a people could unite around this collective pursuit in a way that could transform each of us and our communities and our world as a whole. And yet, we ended the podcast with the fact that if we stopped there, we just stopped where our search for happiness and virtue ended and didn't go in search of Jesus and what he meant to us in our lives, we would be left incomplete. And so we pick up here this week on what Christ truly means to Christianity. And we begin this with a discussion of two considerations that I have long thought about in my own faith life at different points throughout the years and the decades. And this is such an exciting thing to kind of bring to you. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this as you're listening out there. Maybe some of you have. But I think this really pulls in the entire idea of what we've been trying to do throughout this podcast. So the first thing we start here with this first consideration is that we've all been told, for those who've been raised in the Christian faith, that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. We've also been told that Jesus is without sin. Those are two key beliefs that from the youngest of ages that we've heard many, many times. But I ask this question, what does it mean then if Jesus is fully human and yet still perfect, what does this mean? Again, he's without sin, but then what does that mean he is with throughout his entire life? In practical terms, we could say, what does this mean truly in flesh and blood and mind and body? And so here's what's really, really amazing throughout the New Testament. This is what we see it means. It means that Jesus repeatedly chose love over unhealthy and excessive worries and anxiety. It means that Jesus repeatedly chose unselfish, effortful actions over self-absorption and unhealthy pride. It means he cultivated habits of silence and fasting and other inlets over temptations and unhealthy habits. That he accepted and embraced changes and challenges and the chores and the work of life instead of constantly bemoaning it. It means that he used repeatedly the tools and resources provided to him but did not seek to exploit or abuse them. It means that he repeatedly ate simply, moved often, and adhered to the rhythms of the life that he lived. It means that he repeatedly acted in empathetic and authentic and loving ways towards other people. In essence, it means that he lived out the golden rule continuously throughout his 33 years of life. It means that Jesus used communication that was based on clarity and conviction and the search for truth and the truth unveiled through him. What does it mean in practical terms? Well, he means that he strove to bring about the ideal in others and as God would intend for them, as God would call them to be. It means that he repeatedly forgave, that he channeled his challenges and frustrations into healthy, altruistic activities, that he gave thanks and gratitude for the gifts provided, and that he transcended continuously throughout his pain and his struggle. 
It means that he understood and acknowledged what he felt and that he sought to use his thoughts and feelings in a virtuous, godly way. And so on. So when we think about Jesus in those truly human terms, in that truly flesh and blood, mind and body that you and I are just as him, for this entire podcast, we have been talking about striving towards living a whole Christian life. And none of us will ever do this fully, right? But the idea is this whole pursuit. We talked about opportunity and the sense of being excited about what lies out there if we truly pursue wholeness in our lives. But I wonder, for 50-plus weeks of listening to this podcast, of this discernment, right, of my own search, of, the, of our own kind of challenge around this, have you considered that there really is one person who lived the whole Christian life, and that was Christ himself? So not only does our salvation run through him, but what's so beautiful about this and what so excites me when I think about this is that so does our model of holiness with a WH run through him. That if we're looking for someone to say, well, who really pursued the whole Christian life? Well, in some ways it seems obvious, but I don't know, you know, honestly, until I really got into this pursuit myself, I ever really thought about that it's Jesus. It's the one person who lived holiness completely through the search of wholeness. And that's what's so wonderful about the New Testament and that all that we have learned about him. And so I think about this idea, there was a movement a ways back when I was younger, and I haven't heard as much lately, but I think, I mean, obviously it still remains, that people would, there were bracelets and shirts and all sorts of things with WWJD. And that was, it stood for, what would Jesus do, right? And, you know, it's interesting to think about that because it really brought you back to this idea that when you were in the midst of kind of a question uh, about what you should do in any situation, he would reflect on WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, you know what he would do and what he has done is that in every situation, he was pursuing holiness through wholeness, right? Those framework, that foundation, and through all those dimensions of his life, the physical, the psychological, the social, and ultimately the spiritual being that he is, that's what he was doing. And so I think, I just, I love this idea. I think that in so many ways, you know, we've been we've been going on this search for 50 plus weeks and talking about all the elements of living a whole Christian life. And I wonder, have we thought about all along the way that it wasn't just Jesus' word, right? It wasn't even just purely just the model, but it was the essence of him embodying this idea of living this whole Christian life. And yet, you know what? Beyond this, I think that we really want to take and consider this even a step further because you know, when we consider this idea of how he lived, we also have to think about how this relates to the model and just the reality of our relationship with his father, with God, our creator, and why Jesus was so important in this particular way. So I want to flesh this out a little bit for all of us listening here today, but I want to begin with the most famous Bible verse of all time. You've seen it whenever you've watched probably a sporting event You've seen it posted and written all over in so many ways. And so that is John 3, 16. The verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And I think about that, you know, even from being a young kid, a very young child, 
I thought about this idea. I thought, well, wait a second here. So God can do anything he wants to, right? In his omnipotence and his omniscience, you know, he sent Christ to be our redeemer and our savior to wipe away original sin in the world. And and it's something that I've come to believe, and it's beyond, of course, any of our poor powers to ever understand fully. But we think of Christ very much in these divine terms, in these eternal terms. And no doubt that's something that only we'll come to understand after we pass on from this world completely. But I thought about this. You know, I've heard this idea through thousands of homilies before, the sense of Jesus in these terms. But I wondered, is there another reason why Jesus entered into our lives the way that he did? Simply put, I've wondered that maybe Jesus was doing some things that God himself, again, even in his omnipotence, even in his omniscience, couldn't do himself. And before you kind of question, wait a second here, that it's impossible. I think that, you know, what I'm starting to say here is that Although we as human beings are given vast domain and understanding that other beings don't enjoy, we also can't ever fully remove ourselves from the humanness, no matter how much we embrace our divinity. Thus, that one of the primary needs for Jesus in this world was that so he could embody and model that which God, in his purely spiritual form, simply could not approach for us in the way that we needed. Moving beyond just just this general idea, I wanted to kind of flesh out a few ways in which this this sense is that for all that God could give us, maybe we really needed someone else in a purely human form to bring it to us in a way that we, in our meek and humble ways, could only understand. And so let's think, think about this. Here's the first way. So it's one thing for God the Father to provide his natural law and order for the world. But until Jesus arrived, never was there a human being that fully embodied it. Again, for 50 plus weeks, I've been arguing that by fully embodying it, what he means is that the sense of pursuing holiness through wholeness. But think about those, for those of you who've raised or even raising kids, you recognize that it's one thing to know what a parent should do, but it's an altogether different experience to witness it being done. So for us as people, this is what Jesus provided when he came to God's ideal for how we should live, right? Because prior to Jesus, for thousands of years, God had passed down his desires for the world through his laws, for example, like the Ten Commandments. And they also passed it down through his prophets and his leaders. But in every single instance, each of these modalities failed to truly personify what it meant to avoid sin, to love others, and again, embrace that natural law and that sense of holiness with a WH among many other things. But when Jesus arrived in this world for the first time, people began to truly see what it meant to live and be as God intended. From the moment that people in the first century came to forge a relationship with this itinerant preacher that we were talking about last week that I must go in search of, Two millenniums later, when billions of Christians seek to understand what God is about, no longer can we claim that we do not understand because we are not God. Rather, all of us can now come into his fullness because his fullness became a, quote, him, right? And provided a link for humanity that God could not do alone. But beyond this obvious reality, in many ways, there's another game changer the moment Jesus became part of his own ministry. 
Since the beginning of time, God had always healed people, both in direct ways and even through other people himself. But when Jesus came to this earth, he changed healing forever, and then he made it abundantly clear that we as human beings can be healers for others in the most holistic, spiritual way. Over and over in the New Testament, right, people came to him for healing of all sorts of infirmities. And what they found was that they were not just healed of their malady, but often of their heart, their mind, and their soul, right? So think about a second for what we've talked about previously in the podcast regarding the placebo effect, which is a situation in which healing occurs in the absence of any healing agent, right? Such as getting better after taking a sugar pill or after a conversation with a physician occurs. What the placebo effect has taught us is that the creation of hope facilitated by another person or commodity that possesses that healing potential is something that occurs when people place their trust in another, right? But when a mother comes to the aid of a child whose legs are hurting, or when a father talks to his son about how thinking more positively can create unrealized energy to hike further, even when he's exhausted, Both individuals are providing healing of all sorts in human form. And all of this is possible, of course, through God, but it was Jesus himself who provided all of us as human beings as a means of how this could occur through each other. So beyond these two ideas, I'm going to kind of end with a final idea about how Jesus did some things that God could not given us in our human form. And it's said throughout the Bible, and we've talked about this a number of times in the podcast itself, that it's no less than 365 times God tells us to not be afraid and to trust and love him fully at times, no matter what the circumstance is. And yet, although people certainly died for many noble faith-based reasons prior to Jesus' arrival, the reality is that all human beings could have and probably did respond to God that it's one thing to say this, but it's another thing to live it. Remember, if God's saying this from above, it's like, hey, God, I know what you're saying, but like, you're not down here living it with us, right? So put another way, for anyone who's experienced excruciating pain or unrelenting sorrow and uncertainty, it's understandably easy to allow these fears to overwhelm the feelings of trust and love, right? Those states of being that we want to have and to take a different course. But as Jesus' ministry continued, and we saw him persecuted, and assaulted, and undermined, and betrayed, and ultimately crucified and killed, he truly became the personification of what it means to not let fear lead the way. So unlike God, Jesus struggled with frustration and disappointment and sadness, and ultimately fear as exemplified in the culminating moments at Gethsemane, but he never altered the course for what it should be. So God may have long told and reassured us that if we trust him, all will work out in the end. But he needed Jesus to show us the very human, painstaking way in which we could make this happen. I mean, truly, Jesus was and is the social dimension. Jesus truly is the psychological dimension. 
Jesus truly is the physical dimension that we may have never known that we desired so much in this world from the beginning of humanity until now. But you really get the sense that God knew that we needed him. And you know what? It's almost back to the idea of Genesis when God knew that even though he had created this amazing universe, this amazing world full of just remarkable animals and and the natural wonders and everything else, there's that moment in Genesis when God realizes that man needs someone else like him, right? And from flesh of my flesh, God ordains and creates woman to be with man in Genesis. And that moment then translates itself thousands of years later when Jesus comes to us and God says, look, I think you even need more. I think you need to see that all that I'm saying to you, that my son, my son can embody that sense of pursuing wholeness through holiness, that he can be, he can embody the sense of those commandments, that he can embody the sense of not allowing anxiety and fear to overwhelm the perfect love that I desire for you. And when we think about it this way, and we think, wow, I mean, what a most remarkable gift that God could give us, right? And this is what makes Christianity so unique, that in all the major religions of the world, there's only one religion where God says, hey, I'm not just going to tell you what you need to know. I'm not just going to pass along the truth. I'm not just going to give you the commandments. I'm not just going to like create the world. I'm not just going to like give you everything you need to know. But here in this Christian faith, in our Christian faith, God says, I'm going to give you my son and I'm going to give you my son so he can body everything that I've been telling you that it means to live in my presence, to live in my love. And ultimately, I'm going to let him pass on through the most excruciating of ways and in ways that if you ever struggle in your own life, if you ever wonder, is it worth it? If you ever wonder if you can continue to go on, that I'm going to give you to him to you to say, all things are possible with me. So, you know, in the end, Jesus may very well have come to wipe away our original sin and provide salvation for all humanity in some ways that God could not, although we'll never understand that completely. But I'm perfectly fine acknowledging not only my ignorance in all this matter, but the fact that I believe, and I think that when we think about the New Testament, that God says, I brought my son to you so that Jesus can provide for you what I cannot For you are not of my ways, and my ways are not yours. So in the end, it's God's ultimate wisdom. It seems that he humbled himself to share in our humanity, not just as an ultimate gesture of love and humility, but maybe out of necessity for those of us who created. Maybe he realized that sometimes we just need one of our own. This is Jim Schrader. Be holy, be whole.